Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and welcome to you today. Thank you for joining me. Today we're going to be in our volume of the book, Portraits of Yeshua Bible Study, and we're going to continue with our next lesson in this series. And as that, I just want to do a brief review. In this series, we are looking at how Jesus had said and the prophets had prophesied of him, verified by David in Psalm 40 and by the author of Hebrews, that in the volume of the book, it is written about Jesus. So Jesus is in the Hebrew scriptures, the Tanakh, the Old Testament. And so we want to see how and where he is portrayed there. So we are trying to see these portraits of Yeshua from the Old Testament. We saw in the next lesson, in the second lesson, how he is the creator God in Genesis 1 and 2. And we saw in lesson 3 how he is the last Adam. There is the first Adam spoken of, and that was Adam who God formed from the dust of the earth in Genesis 1 and 2. And then the last Adam is the one who will take care of the first Adam's sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so the last Adam comes on the scene to clear up the sin problem. He is the solution to the sin problem through his death and his resurrection. Hallelujah. And then in lesson four, we saw him portrayed in Genesis chapter three as the seed of the woman. And he is the virgin born son of the living God, the father of eternity who gives everlasting life to all who will repent of their sins and believe upon him. Today we see another beautiful portrait of Yeshua remaining in Genesis 3 as we now prepare to move further into Genesis. Today I want to examine how Jesus is beautifully pictured in the tree of life and its significance in Messianic fulfillment. To do that I want us to go to Genesis chapter 3 and I want to read beginning in verse 14. And it says this, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This was what we talked about in the last message about the seed of the woman and the promise there, the first messianic prophetic word given in scripture. Continuing on to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, a man has become like one of us to know good and evil. 
And now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Now, considering this scripture, that it was to guard the way to the tree of life indicates to us that the tree of life has a purpose and it will continue to remain. There's a coming purpose that hasn't yet been fulfilled. God is keeping it. God is preserving it. He could have just ripped it up and, and just uprooted the whole thing. He could have burned it up. He could have gotten rid of it immediately. But obviously there's something special in it or about it because he did not do that. Instead, he put the cherubim there to guard the way to the tree of life, which tells us there's something future for this tree of life. So after the consequences of sin were doled out to each one and God had provided animal skins and an animal sacrifice for their covering temporarily, God's grace and redemption foreshadowed here as Jesus will be the ultimate sacrifice, the seed of the woman and the last Adam. Now, now God provides mercy in driving them away from the garden and from the tree of life. And verse 24 here tells us the very purpose for doing so. It was not mean. It was not to deprive them. Rather, it was to guard the way to the tree of life, to guard it, to preserve it, to keep it, to hedge it about, to protect it, to attend to it, to watch it and ward it, to protect it as if it were in custody, keeping watch over it, reserving it and retaining it. This way, this path, this road, this course of life to the tree of life. So the purpose of their being driven out and the preservation of the way to the tree of life is told here. It's God's desire and decision to guard it, to preserve it, and to protect it. Why? Because he intended restoration. He created man for fellowship. He created man to be able to eat and enjoy the fruit from this tree of life. If you remember, in Genesis, it tells us that God made two specific trees. There were many trees. There were many fruitful trees that abounded in the garden. But God had two in the middle of the garden. One was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The other, the tree of life. And the reason for that is because God created mankind, man and woman, with free will. He did not want robots. He did not want people that would just obey him because he said so. He wanted people that would love him. And in that love, they would seek to please him. And in that pleasing him, they would seek to obey him and to be in right standing and right relationship with him. But he had created man for fellowship the whole time. So once man chose of his own free will, man and woman, to take of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, bringing upon themselves sin and its consequences, which included the wages of 
sin being death, then God had to guard the tree of life in order for man to be able to eat from it. So in other words, he had to put a pause button for now, so to speak, on this tree of life because only an animal sacrifice at this time had been paid for this sin. The ultimate sinless innocent one had not yet come on the earth to die for the sin of mankind. That ultimate redemption price still had to be paid. Fig leaves, good works don't work. They don't do it. The tunic, the animal sacrifice, was only a temporary covering all through the Tanakh, all through the Old Testament. So in God's mercy and in his wisdom, he determined that mankind would live forever. He had already created man with an eternity in our hearts, with that desire and that ability to live forever. We will live forever. The question is where? Not if, the question is where? There are only two destinies. You can live in heaven with the Lord, but there is one way, and his name is Jesus Christ, Yeshua the Messiah. If you will believe in him and receive his sacrifice on your behalf, his atoning blood as the sinless, holy, innocent Lamb of God died on that cross, which was a tree, only then can we be born again. Only then can we have eternal life in heaven that we talked about in the last episode. Only then, because he alone is the father of eternity. But if we reject him, we will live forever in a place called the lake of fire, or otherwise considered to be hell. It will be a place of eternal torment, eternal damnation, eternal darkness, eeriness, awfulness, like you've never believed. There's no partying in hell. There won't be any friends there. It will be utter isolation, utter darkness, utter loneliness, and utter torment forever. So every single person has that same choice that Adam and Eve had to make. You can choose to accept Jesus Christ and what he has done for sinful mankind and receive the blessings of the payment that he made on our behalf to pay the wages of sin for us, and you can live forever in heaven, or you can choose to reject him and spend your eternity in hell. God has already placed that in man when he created man, and it cannot be changed. So the preservation of the way to the tree of life was to ensure that man did not live forever in their sins which would doom them eternally and eternally break fellowship with God. God, even in this tree of life preservation, was seeking and was providing so that we could live forever with him. We can partake of the seed of the woman and his sacrifice for us. We can receive the gift that the last Adam brings to all who will believe in him. And we can be forgiven of our sins, have our name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and live forever and not be doomed eternally out of fellowship with God, which is what those who reject him will be. God would not allow for that. He ensured that there would be a future redemption and a future restoration so that in a coming day, we could eat 
from this tree of life that God had created because it is a tree of eternal life and its fruit is eternal life. And so God preserved and protected the way to the tree of life. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, it says this, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So to the overcomer, those who will believe in Jesus Christ and hang on, we can have the promise, the absolute guarantee that we will be able to eat from the tree of life. And we are told that that tree of life is not disappeared. It's in the middle of heaven. Perhaps the one on earth was simply a replica, just like the tabernacle of Moses was simply given to him as a replica of what was in heaven. And we know that to be true because of what Revelation tells us about heaven. But this tree of life is in the middle of God's paradise in heaven, and we will be able to eat from it forever once we have been born again of the Spirit of the living God. Hallelujah. Revelation 22, verses 1 and 2 says this, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So now we see again in the new heaven and in the new earth, in God's throne, it never changes. The tree of life is in heaven. It's in the middle of heaven's street on either side of the river of God in heaven. And notice it bears 12 fruits, one for every month of the year with its leaves for the healing of the nations, for the cure, for the care, attendance for the service of the ethnos, of the people groups, of those who have been born again of the Spirit of the living God. Then notice down a few verses later in Revelation chapter 22, beginning in verse 12, it says this, Jesus is speaking here and he says, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end of first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. So God is telling us here that those living lives of obedience, what does that mean? Is that works? No, he's not talking about works there because all through the New Testament, Jesus has taught us and the apostles have confirmed that if you love Jesus, you will obey him. You will seek to please him. You will seek to do what he asks of you and to live a life of obedience, a lifestyle of obedience because you're saved, because you love him. So those who will regularly and consistently out of their motivation of love and appreciation to him for saving them, they will be doing these good works and living these lives of obedience. And those who are doing that, those who love Jesus and live a life of obedience will have the right that's the word exousia. It means the authority, the privilege, the freedom, and the mastery. In other words, free access has been now by this point completely restored to the tree of life. 
the access way to the tree of life of eternal life is now fully realized and fully accessible. Eden, it was not accessible after they sinned. After they sinned in Eden, in the Garden of Eden, they could no longer access the tree of life. But in Revelation, it is free access. The privilege is there. The privilege is granted. It is accessible. What changed in the middle? Jesus died for the sins of the world. He died on a tree. And all who believe will have possession and own eternal life. They'll have the right restored to them to this tree of life. Jesus is pictured in the tree of life as the fact that he is the ultimate sacrifice, the seed of the woman, the last Adam, and he died on a tree in order to restore us back to God and back to full access to what God created for us to enjoy. I want to just give you these scripture references. In Acts chapter 5, verse 30. In Acts chapter 10, verse 39. In Acts chapter 13, verse 29. And in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, and in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, every one of these passages speak about Jesus' death on the tree that we call the cross. And we know that he took our curse upon himself, according to Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, being that he died on that tree. Because the Bible said, cursed was everyone who hung on a tree, who was hanged on a tree. And Jesus died on that tree for you and me. He died to pay our sin debt in full. First Peter speaks of him and says this, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. So Peter is telling us here that through the death of Jesus on the cross, we have a restoration of eternal life and this tree of life restored to us. As we begin to close, I want to read a few final scriptures to us. First in John chapter 1, verse 11 through 14. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 11. He came to his own and his own did not receive him, but as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So here it ties again all of these portraits that we've seen so far in the book of Genesis and how beautiful they are, that those who will believe in him, those who will receive him, those will be born again and have relationship, eternal life, and free access to this tree of life. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 24 through 29 says this, Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. 
There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So here again, proof positive that the sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ, these are the heirs. These are the ones that are guaranteed God's promises. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 through 3 says this, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So in Genesis 3, we see beauties of Jesus right away in God's beautiful photo album, so to speak, of the portraits of Jesus in the Tanakh, in the Hebrew scriptures, in the Old Testament. We see that he was the creator God who began it all. We see that he also is the last Adam, the man to correct the first man's sin and error and all who come beyond him because of the sinful nature and the fact that all men have sinned, all people sin. And he came to be our kinsman redeemer, to redeem us back to God. He is also the seed of the woman, the redeemer, the one who will crush and has crushed Satan, his kingdom, his power, and been the victor over sin, death, hell, and the grave. He is the victor over sin, death, hell, and the grave. And now we see him through the tree of life. He is the one that after paying the price for sin to justify mankind as the last Adam, being bruised in the heel at the cross, and then triumphing over the serpent, now he is the way to the tree of life. Jesus himself said so in John chapter 14. I want to read verse 1 through 6 as we draw to a close. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, or other versions may say rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way to the tree of life granting us free access, completely restored, all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, for all those who will believe in him. Hallelujah. What a beautiful portrait of Jesus we see through the tree of life in the Garden of Eden, which is now in the midst of the paradise of God in heaven. And for all who believe in Jesus, there will be free access granted 
to the tree of life. And it's restored because Jesus is the way. And the way was preserved all the way back in Genesis. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of our volume of the book, Bible Study. God bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.